0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Naked Security podcast, episode eight. I'm Anna Braiding, and I'm here with Sophos experts Paul Ducklin, hello, Mark Stockley, hi, and Matt Boddy. hello. How's it going, guys? What have you been up to this week?
1: Who's first, Matt? You have um, to go first this week. Okay. What have I been up to? I have been rooting around the new flat that I've moved into to find out why the telephone extensions won't work for cl- plugging in my broadband. Not really that security related. And I found out what was wrong. It was really exciting. Somebody left a wire off. No, the, the master plug it. Uh, master plug it? Uh, the <laughs> you master... say that to make yourself sound a bit cleverer. No, the, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real word, guys. Yeah. Uh, no. Switch so to the flux capacity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, the master socket has, has this like BT extension thing on that it, it won't allow you to plug in anything but a phone to the other sockets, meaning that you have to plug your broadband router into your main master socket. Oh, is that... Because I found
2: that in my flat and I assumed yeah. there was something wrong. Yeah, and I like, assumed
1: something was wrong. No, I ripped that one out and uh, and pl- just plugged the faceplate into the normal master socket and now every other plug works. Oh, it, maybe through. there's
2: some line filter in it or something. Yeah, it is,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Duck, what have you been up to this week?
2: Last podcast I said I was going to the Netherlands. This podcast I'm back from the Netherlands... I did my crypto checking demo and we discovered that with the laptop I took for the purposes of the demo, that if you crypto mine in your browser flat out 24 hours a day, 365 and a quarter days a year, it will cost you somewhere between 60 and 80 euros and you stand to make using browser-based crypto mining techniques as much as 2 euros and 55 cents for an outlay of 80 bucks. So as a business venture, don't do it on your website because it's not going to be very popular with your users.
3: So do you feel you can finally answer the question, is crypto mining going to replace online ads?
2: I don't see how it can. On the other hand, unfortunately, probably means that the crooks are going to carry one anyway because for them it's kind of free money.
3: Yeah, The only economic place to do your crypto mining is on somebody else's computer, isn't
1: it? Yeah.
0: Mark, what about yeah, you? Yeah, that wasn't a tip, by the way. <laughs> yes. I was
3: lamenting reality rather than advice. <laughs> um, I've been trying to get my Mac backups to work. So I'm a big fan of my Mac, and a big fan of Time Machine and Time Capsule. Um, and they've saved my hide more than once. But it's not without glitches. And I have a glitch, I can't figure out what's going on with my backups. But something terrible has happened. So in the old days, a few years ago, there was a guy called Pondini. And I don't know how, but he had come to know all things about time machine backups. So if you had a problem with your time machine backup, you just Googled whatever the error message was, and it took you to this guy's website, and he would, you know, had already written the answer to what your problem was. It was just, it was one of the marvels of the internet. Like, this is what the internet's for. And he went on vacation. And he's gone he? away! <laughs> <laughs> and Google have stopped making, uh, Google, Apple have stopped making uh, time capsules. And Pondini has is, is disappeared. So I'm bereft I'm on my own trying to figure out what's up with these backups.
2: I make a big tarball, GPG it, bung it on the USB key and
3: oh, stick it in. I feel hand hand. like I already knew that. <laughs> I just had a feeling.
2: Why make it easy where you can make it slightly harder? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the security news this week. Researchers have developed an exploit that uses a feature in Intel chips to steal cryptographic keys. It's been named Portsmash. Duck, what's going on?
2: Well, the modern, well, not modern, but Intel chips for many years, in fact, before they had multiple separate CPU cores, supported a thing called hyperthreading, or SMT. When one thread of execution is blocked, the same CPU can actually go and work on something else. And just like we've seen with bugs like spectre two threads running on one cpu they're not sufficiently insulated and in theory one thread running on the same cpu as another might be able to figure out information and what these guys did is figure out a way in which you might be able to learn something about cryptographic key data that was being executed by another thread on the same cpu That's a rather complicated explanation. But it's basically Intel is trying to take one CPU core, use it for two things at the same time. So if one thread blocks, another can actually do something useful. And it turns out that by manipulating the moment at which the other thread might get blocked, you can figure out something about what it was busy with.
3: Realistically, how dangerous is this?
2: Well, if you've got a laptop on what we might call a client computer... You have to get code running on that computer that will run on the same CPU core alongside the program you want to spy So it's not even code on the same computer, it's code running that happens to be on the same core. On the same processor. So the point is, if it's on your laptop, kind of anyone who can pull off this attack, they kind of don't need to because they're already on your laptop, in your laptop, all over your stuff. So if you can exercise enough power to make sure your code's running... This might be an issue if you've got a bunch of servers and you've tried to tweak them for, for, for performance and you're allowing lots of different users to share, for example, virtual machines or to allow multiple different people to log in, then this is something that you might want to read about and just satisfy yourself whether you're affected or not. So for the average user, it's not the end of the world, but it is a reminder as... Cryptographers always like to say attacks only ever get better. The good news is that means that we can, once we know how the attacks work, then we can make sure that we're writing code in a way that immunizes it against such attacks.
0: Okay, on to our next subject. We wrote an article about another iPhone lock screen bypass. The last couple of times we've seen this, it's been carried out via Siri. Is this the case again?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, once again, if your phone is locked and Siri is enabled on that lock screen, it means that somebody can get in there, pick up a call, initiate FaceTime from that call, swipe up to enable airplane mode, select dot, 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 tap to add a person, press plus, and then suddenly, bang, they've got access to all of the contacts on your phone. So this time they don't have to make an emergency call and cut it out halfway through and then spin around three times. Yep. And left, down, right, up, left, down, yeah. right, up, triangle, <laughs> square.
2: So this is,
3: this is the latest instalment in the Battle of the World's Richest Company versus... Jose Rodriguez? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's currently, as the Americans
2: would say, 0-3. This is like chasing performance of losing security. You're saying, well, I, I love Siri so much, I couldn't be bothered. When I've locked my phone, I don't want to have to pick it up to unlock it. I yeah. want it to be unlockable remotely by anybody who can do a fair imitation of my voice. Turning Siri off at the lock screen would have stopped almost all of... Rodriguez's bypasses, right? They all depend on the fact that you've got this complicated voice recognition engine that d- drives a whole load of other features. It's not much of a lock screen if your phone is locked, except for seventeen major features.
1: Yeah, precisely. Uh, so if you're if you've got Siri enabled on the lock screen, then, then it, it's led to all of these all of these bugs being accessible to somebody.
2: So you could you could have dealt with all of these by just learning to live without Siri on the lock screen. Yeah, and if you're
1: wondering how to do that, you can go to settings, select Siri and search, and turn off allow Siri when locked, which yep. is on there. So or you can turn off Siri altogether. You if it, can turn off Siri altogether if if, if, you, if you can live without him slash her. But I do get the convenience of it because because when you're like if you're driving and you want to if you want to call somebody, for instance, then you can say. Hey Siri, and please call this person. Maybe while you're driving, the
2: best thing to do is not make calls because yeah, it, it, it is distracting. It is annoying. I regret Apple's change where you can't, you can no longer turn off the camera on the lock screen, which I feel is missing the point of the lock in lock screen. But I love my iPhone enough that I've learned to live with it. Duck does love his iPhone. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not denying it. So I, I
3: have the same question for you, Matt, as I posed to Duck. So yeah. again, this is. An eye-catching story, loads and loads of people in the world own iPhones, and there's the whole subtext with Jose Rodriguez getting one over on Apple again, you know, why can't this incredibly rich and uh, successful company sort out these lock screen bypasses? How
1: dangerous are they, really? It depends who you've got in your contacts on your phone and how sensitive that information is. Uh, And is it a company phone as well? Because if it is a company phone and uh, you are managing those company phones and you're letting people store work contacts, customer contacts in that phone, that could be a GDPR risk in Europe. So if there's details lost or details accessible to somebody outside of the organisation of a customer or of other employees of that company, as soon as that's accessible... Um, that's a GDPR concern for that company. So if you're
2: a company and you're running a mobile control product that, where you can say, look, I, as far as I know, a loud serial lock screen was off on this list of phones and three of them got lost in the last year, then you don't have to worry about whether or not you were vulnerable to all of these bugs. Yeah. Any regulator would go, okay, I'll accept that because it looks as though you've taken reasonable precautions that are effective. Precisely. Yeah, So you recommend that for companies yeah Maybe absolutely it's a little bit less fun it's a little bit more hassle for the users, but the protection for the user and for their colleagues and for the company as a whole is quite good because you don't have to worry about what might have been stolen that you can never really prove yeah precisely excellent, yeah I
3: think that raises an interesting point because you're in a nutshell, your answer is it depends, yeah, and I think actually it shows the difficulty of trying to work out in this one small area trying to work out okay well, how am I vulnerable and there are millions and millions of little small areas like that that you might think about and rather than going through the pain of trying to work out well am i vulnerable here am i vulnerable here and you know it's it's easier actually just to keep all switched off yeah yeah. not the phone the lock screen
1: siri from the lock screen there's not that much of a need for it and and yeah so this i was when i was answering your question then i was answering in terms of the most recent bug that's been found which revealed contacts. But but the previous one revealed photos as well, and it depends how sensitive the photos that you've got on that are.
3: Do people do that?
1: uh, Take Um, sensitive pictures on their phone. Uh, Don't know. What like (laughs) pictures of passwords and things like that? Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely pictures. Pictures of of pictures of receipts.
2: Yeah, oh, receipts. Pictures of you know instead of who uses a photocopy when you've got a mobile phone quality camera these days. So a lot of people will have in their photos things that could be very handy for a crook.
0: Someone uh, commented on the site, seems like Apple should just incorporate Jose into the testing process before releasing to the public.
2: He is given a pretty compelling job
3: interview. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I presume that
2: once you've done a few of them, you get a feel for the kind, of, the kind of interactions that a developer might overlook, or a sequence of events that probably never came up in testing. So do you you think there's
3: one developer in Apple who's responsible for these lock screens and it's just him versus Jose? (laughs) And every time Jose finds something, this guy's like, damn! How does he keep doing
0: this? Um, Another cryptocurrency exchange collapsed last week after an answer has been hacked. I know. I know. A you cryptocurrency don't... exchange was hacked. I know you wanted to cover this one well, even though I said it's really boring. And, and you were
3: so excited about this one.
0: Um, it does seem to happen a lot.
3: I, I feel like maybe like, we should be displaying a little more sympathy to the victims of
2: this. Uh...
0: It is a bit like
2: giving, meeting someone in a pub and after knowing that for five minutes, giving them a giant paper bag full of banknotes. And saying, I'll see you in a week. This There's a lot of trust for, for often very little, isn't
3: there? So I, I'm, let me start from the beginning. I'll, okay. tell, them, I'll tell you the Change. story. So yeah. this is about MapleChange. So on October the 28th, MapleChange tweeted something that all of their users must have been dreading, which is um, that message that says, Due to a bug, some people have managed to withdraw all the funds from our exchange. And uh, an exchange is a place where you can uh, buy and sell and keep cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Ethereum, Litecoin, things like that. There's lots of these things out there. MapleChange is one of them. It's a little currency exchange. There are many other MapleChange-like things out there. And unfortunately, they are prone to being hacked and they're prone to exit scams, which is where the people who run the website are essentially running a scam. So, you know, like the guy that you meet in the pub and you say, could you look after my money for me? And he says, sure. And then he runs away with it.
2: So the reason people use exchanges like this, presumably, is they're using them as, because they're not involved in, say, crypto mining themselves, they're using an exchange as an interface between regular money and cryptocurrency. They put in some dollars, they get some crypto coins of some sort out, and then they've got them kind of in an instantly tradable online way. So
3: it's a very convenient place to keep your crypto coins. So the the question around all these cryptocurrencies is is what's the right balance of convenience and security for storing that key? So if you want to, you can actually just write down the number, keep it on a piece of paper, stick it in your pocket or put it in a safe like you would with cash. And that's very, very
2: safe, but it's not very convenient. That's what in the jargon is a cold wallet, right? It's offline and it's not immediately usable. Yes and your private key is kind of locked up where nobody else supposedly can get at it. Exactly.
3: Um, The next option is to keep that private key perhaps on your computer. So it's a little easier for people to get to there, but they still have to go through the very high barrier of actually getting onto your computer in order to steal it. The most convenient place to keep it, though, is actually on somebody else's computer on an exchange. And that's a hot wallet. Yeah, and when you do that, you are... in. entrusting them with, with that key, with all of your money, and you're hoping that they won't run away with it or get hacked. And unfortunately, although uh, you know much has been made about cryptocurrencies and the cryptography behind them, unfortunately that bulletproof cryptography does not extend out as far as the exchange that's holding your coins. So a cryptocurrency exchange is just another website, so the security on exchanges is as good
2: as or as bad as the security on websites. Not, not to pick on this one exchange particularly. That this is this. It kind of has happened a lot, hasn't it? And in some cases, as you say, there, there's been suspicion that the people doing it have just persuaded people to invest money and then run off. In other cases, it does seem to be that people have just been hacked. they have just not done security properly because it's harder
1: than you think. Do you know? Yeah. what I think actually. So, so I, I, I tried to look at a wallet to store some cryptocurrency recently. And when I was looking for a wallet, it's really, really difficult to store a cold wallet now. It's really difficult to have a wallet that's kept offline, that's not cloud hosted. Everyone is angling towards these online exchanges to keep your, to keep your cryptocurrency.
3: I think it's worth thinking about why is that the case? So my reading of the cryptocurrency kind of ecosystem now is that a whole bunch of people have realized that there's money to be made from trading and exchanging so originally it was about buying things in this sort of regulatory free environment and being able to move money across borders and and you know being anonymous and things like this but over the last couple of years it's become much more about oh i can make money from keeping and trading coins yeah. and there's a there's a lot of it's it's the same with dealing in shares you know people make a, a lot of money from other people selling and buying shares not necessarily from accumulating you know, from the shares themselves accruing value. And I think there's there's a lot of that going on in cryptocurrencies now. So, of course, if there's money to be made from trading, people are going to want you to keep your money in a place where it's easy for you to do trading. So be careful out
2: there, folks, is what you're saying.
3: Yep. One of the details that might be worth mentioning is that the media is reporting that $6 million in Bitcoin was stolen. Maple Chains themselves say it's nothing like that. It was about 8 Bitcoin, which is about $51,000. So what they're saying, it was in the, something to do with the way that the exchange was hacked, made it look in screenshots like they had $6 million worth of Bitcoin in there. But that was an artifact of the hack rather than the amount of money that was actually in the exchange.
0: That's just about everything for this week, I think. Thanks to Duck, Mark and Matt, and thanks to you all for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. It helps people discover us. Until next time, stay stay secure. secure!